hear that music, you know I'm time for the lighter side of baseball. No, I'm not drunk. I'm out here in Wisconsin. I'm waiting for Craig Kashan to join the show to bail us out to come in and pitch some relief for me because I am recording on Zoom for the first time in a long time. I've been doing some solo uh, on the lighter side of baseball. If again, I said on the lighter side of sports, uh, you know, I'm getting old. What can I say? So when Craig shows that he's joining the show, I'll put it on pause and I'll try to go back and record. We've got some problems because our production team is not in Land Lakes, Wisconsin, but I am. And man, oh man, talk about a remote. There is nothing prettier than where I am today. The leaves are changing. Uh, we're ready to put the pontoon boat away after a brief cruise around the lake. And uh, all in all, it's going to be a pretty good time. But we're going to talk about the playoffs. We're going to talk about the wild card playoffs. We're going to talk about the playoffs that have already started in the American League. And uh, it should be a good show. In the American League, the Yankees and their $250 million payroll beat the $60 million payroll Tampa Bay Rays. I predict that won't last long. It might go four games. I doubt it. Uh, the Yankees are pretty strong. They've got a lot of money invested in that team. And then in the other playoff, the cheating champs destroyed the Oakland A's. And again, uh, there's a disparity in the contract amount like you can't believe. I think the Astros are fourth in the league in, in money. And the A's, the Rays, the J's, the Bays, the Days, everybody that rhymes with pay is, uh, with no, not much pay, is uh, taking it on the chin. So, I don't know. Uh, I'm anxious for the American League. We've got the Marlins against the Braves. Uh, I'm not going to disclose who I'm picking in that quite yet. I'll wait to have a little conversation with Craig. And uh, then we've got the other American or the National League, the Dodgers versus the Padres. So, as I said in our last podcast, the big games are the Yankees, Rays, Dodgers, Pods. Um, Whoever comes out of those games is going to win the AL and NL crown, and then uh, they'll face off in Dallas. And there might be fans. That's the rumor. Fans. It took 10 months, but the fans might show up in Dallas. Why? And I don't know. I don't get it. Uh, anyway, the Chiefs played last night. They didn't look great in the first three quarters, but they came to life in the last quarter to beat the um, – I can't even remember who they played, and it's been all of a few minutes. But uh, they played a team with uh, – Bill Belichick as the as the head coach, so New England. No Tom Brady. He's down throwing touchdowns for Tampa Bay. Cam Newton's got COVID-19. And I'm sitting there watching a chipmunk destroy some of our old hot dog bread that we've put out for the chipmunk. It's hysterical. This little dude was about to eat my feet. Oh, go away. Wow, that was close. Live on podcast lighter side of chipmunks the dude has no fear oh my god uh this morning i was visited by three doe Uh, that's a a deer for you folks that are in the city uh not a buck a doe that would be a female deer and uh, that was pretty cool got some great pictures of the sunrise the night a couple nights ago i got some great photos of the moon turned into quite the naturalist here in Orlando. but i'm sorry to say that uh where it's perfectly great quarantine climate up here. I mean, you can't quarantine any better. Uh, we're going to be going home. And uh, I'm sorry to say, 
uh, we're going to be going home here in a couple of days. And uh, in the meantime, we are just waiting for Mr. Uh, Kashan to call in. So let's take a break. And we want, when we come back, I'm betting we're going to have Craig. So for the lighter side of baseball on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. I like Spotify. Um, we'll be back after some music, hopefully. You never know. But uh, we'll be back with Craig in just a few minutes. And until then, everybody go out and have a donut. Bye. Hold on. And we are back on the lighter side of baseball. Yes, the lighter side of baseball. And I am so happy to have my buddy back because, man, I've been running solo for a long time. The voice of the Milwaukee Brewers, pregame, postgame, play-by-play extraordinaire, Craig Kashan. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? I'm doing really, really good. I, I tell you what, it's so easy to quarantine up here in Land Lakes, Wisconsin, that, you know, I'd, I'd stick around if uh, – there was a little bit more up my, you know, I'm not a hunter. I'm not a fisherman. I got in the boat a little bit, but it's beautiful. Yeah, you you got to watch out for a uh, hunting season, man. They'll, uh, they'll, they'll go right <laughs> through your house. <laughs> uh, you know, I brought my orange bear shirt just in case I overlapped with hunting season, but I think we're going to be out of here before they, uh, before they start shooting deer. And speaking of deer, I had three deer in our yard this morning. How about Sweet. that? Yeah, we had. Um, let's see, where were we the other day? We had uh, a mama deer and uh, two of her. They weren't little tiny fawns, but they were clearly uh, her babies, and they were still hanging around. So that was that was something to see too. I know it was a beautiful sunrise, which we haven't had for a long time. I go out to you know have a cup of coffee, and all of a sudden there's a there's like a deer staring at me ten feet away, and my my photographic impulses took over. It was. Uh, Nice. It was great. Yeah. So nice. everything good with you other than the pathetic performance by the Milwaukee Brewers? Yeah, that was not a that was not a good postseason. It, it barely felt like a postseason, that's for sure. Except except for the fact that we actually saw somebody outside the National League Central, which was good. But uh yeah, the outcome wasn't good either. So there there's no offense uh in our division, man. Uh, it's uh, was kind of sad to see the last couple of weeks. All four of those teams qualifying, and, and nobody could hit their way out of a paper bag, man. And what does that tell you about the Central Division compared to the East and the West in your, in, in you know, your good analysis? Well, I, I think the I think the pitching in our division is is good, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give all the credit to them. I I think. Um, I don't know where we are right now with uh, approach to hitting in baseball. I, I I really don't know. I'm I'm not a big numbers guy. Uh, that era is, um, you know, I'm I'm in front of that era right now, um, and and so I, I'm having a hard time with it. I, I can't quite figure it out. I, I think part of it, I think part of it is pandemic um, and protocol related a little bit, um, but. It's hard to say, and you know what, Jamie? I think it's going to be really, really difficult for um, GMs and and in uh, scouting and and uh, you know all the offensive programs that they're going to put in place, and and uh, I think it's going to be really, really difficult to properly evaluate for a lot of these teams what to do with guys that they have. Um, uh, 
uh, options on for next year? Right. Uh, who, who are you paying to go away? Did that work out this year? I mean, to tell you, it's uh, – I, I really think that this is going to be something that's going to linger for sure into 2021 just because you can't put your finger totally on what, what problems are, what issues to fix. I agree. And then you've got in 22, you've got the uh... – uh, you know, before the season starts, you've got the negotiation of the new agreement between the players and MLB. And yeah. in, in some ways, they probably got closer together with the extra um, teams in the playoffs and the, and the designated hitter in the National League. But on the other hand, you know, the, the, <laughs> the discrepancy between the payrolls continues to mystify me. The Yankees at $250 million, the Rays at $60 million plus. Now, you know, the Rays are favored, and the Yankees have a $200 million edge on those guys. The same with the uh, Houston Astros and the Oakland A's. I mean, if, you're, if your team rhymes with uh, pay, then you've got a crummy payroll, the Jays, the A's, the Rays. Can you think of another? <laughs> I can't. Hey, before, before we <laughs> <That> go. Works, <laughs> though. I've, yeah, I mean, Billy Bean keeps doing it, and Theo keeps, you know, stepping in his own poop. And, uh you know, I read an article today that Theo may be on the way out, but it may take a year to get rid of him. Uh, Dombrowski's a free agent. My suggestion was let Madden be the GM of the Angels, let Pujols manage, and send Dombrowski to Chicago where he started, only on the north side instead of the south side. But, um, you know, that's not going to happen. But uh, before we go too far, I want to say to my listeners and to you what an extraordinarily exceptional job you did under the circumstances of the pandemic, number one, of being at Miller Park when the team wasn't there, number two, of your pregame show with Jerry Augustine, which is first class, and of your play-by-play, which you know I'm a big fan of. So I, I enjoyed being in, up, here at, up here in Wisconsin because I could listen to every game, and I laughed. And I probably sent you a text when the uh, Brewers lost game three, I guess it was, to the Cardinals. You, <laughs> I thought you were going to cry. <laughs> Whatever day that was, it was like, oh, God, Craig's not even trying to hide this thing. It's like bad. Was that, was that a walk-off? I can't. I, you know, the games kept. I remember, I remember one game I did, I, you know, because they had – you know, they're probably one for 15 with runners in scoring position or something. And it was what it was just it's just one of those games where it's just like, you know, th- this is just going to it's going to be a loss. And I'm not going to pretend it's an exciting loss or a good win for the other team. So, yeah, it, it may have been that one. I don't know. But it was uh, it, it certainly was. Uh, uh, and I appreciate everything you just said. But, but you know, it was. um it was a very interesting way of doing a ball game in an empty ballpark. We had four or five uh, television screens that all had something different on them. And um, it was our best effort. It was baseball's best effort to uh, make it seem like you were at the ballpark and could see as much as possible. And uh, there were shared broadcasts. Both teams shared the same uh, production and, um, and tried to make it look like their own and stuff. And it was, uh, it was a very, it was very challenging. I think we pulled it off. I think the bottom line is people wanted to see some baseball on TV and they were able to do that. And, and I'll be honest with you. I, I wasn't sure how many people were going to watch 
I think our, our I think the ratings uh, were good. I don't I don't see I don't have all the numbers. I don't think there there were sky highs I thought they were going to be going in um, because I think people had a hard time uh, watching and I do too still to this day like football on Monday night and whatever um, empty stadiums. It's it's right. just really sad to see. It's ha- really sad to see an empty. Lambeau Field on Monday Night Football when it's national TV and it's dark and it's uh, it's it's hard and the cardboard cutouts I think help a little bit but you you know they're not people so um, no. you yeah know, so it and was how does how does Goodell get away with letting the Chiefs and a couple other teams have fans I mean it just seems like an inherently unfair competitive edge the Chiefs last night had. Uh, I think it was 22% capacity, and then that doesn't even count the, the boxes, which are rimming two levels of the stadium all the way around. So you add another 5,000 people that are in those suites, and um, they were capacity. The suites were 100. You had to get tested uh, a couple of days before the game, and I don't know how they did that since they postponed the game a day. But it just seems unfair. Now, the Chiefs are, the I think, one of the four exciting teams. I, I wish the Chiefs would play the Packers. Um, I don't think the rotation this year has them playing each other. It was nice to see Belichick get his butt kicked last night. But um, there is something missing. I mean, I I love watching football and baseball, but, I mean, it's like I don't even watch the playoffs. I mean, it's just like – it's just um, so it, it, the, the fans do make a big difference, I'm sure, to the players. Um, I thought your broadcast, and I thought the um, – do they pump in the music to to your studio, or is that music uh, and fake clapping and let's go, Kirby, is that crap? Does that come in from what you're picking up at Wrigley Field, or are you picking that up through your production team? No, that's, that's all through the stadium. Okay. So- Every stadium uh, does their own crowd music, their own organ, their own whatever it is, whatever they choose to be. Um, I think most stadiums, no matter what sport we're talking about, has tried to match what it would be, what it would sound like to be at home. And, um, and, and so they've done that. And some are much louder than others, um, but we pick everything up off of, whatever stadium noise is coming through kind of like we normally would. There was one broadcast we did where it was, you know, they had the crowd noise, just, you know, the static crowd noise right. in, in pitches. And all of a sudden the audio system uh, at the ballpark went completely out and it went to, it sounded like crickets. Like even the ball players were looking around at each other, like what just happened here. Yeah. Uh, and so that was very strange. And then that was off for like, maybe 90 seconds to two minutes and then all of a sudden it came back on, but it, um, it was a stark reality of, uh, how sterile and fake everything is just to try to make it real and environmental. And it's just, it's not. It seemed to me that the broadcast that, that originated in ballparks, even when the team wasn't there were better than what ESPN tried to do and what they tried to do from Korea. Um, I thought the, by and large in the in the I like Sutcliffe called it the fall frenzy I like that but the why call it the wild card they don't play each other no wild card played each other and it adds a potential three more games so instead of winning 11 to get to the world series to win the world Series, you got to win 14 potentially but 
be that as it may, whatever they called it, it was, you know, it was fun for some. It was kind of painful. <laughs> the, the central divisions of both the American League and the National League went 0 for 7. 0 for 7. The only one that won a game, I think, was the White Sox series went to three games and the Cardinals went to three. Other than yeah. that, and then I looked at, so at the top of the spectrum, I think the Yankees or somebody, maybe the, somebody had 31 RBIs for their team for those two or three games. It's a lot of RBIs for three games. Um, the, <laughs> the, the Brewers had two. The Cubbies had one, and the my team. How in the how can the Reds not hit? They had zero, and yeah. they played three games. Basically, they played a seventeen inning or whatever that was, and then uh, they, they. Now, my theory is, it's this launch angle, exit velocity, crapple. Uh, the deal. I, I'm just so fed up with bad hitting and. No, no situational baseball, and you know I don't like the shift. But they had an interesting deal the other day, and I know I'm just running through all these things that have been in my head that I've wanted to talk to you about for the last three months. When you you bailed on me and went and had the audacity to make a living. <laughs> anyway, uh, graph with three guys. One was Rizzo. It showed the total number of at-bats he'd had in the major leagues, the total number at-bats he'd had facing the shift against him, and the total number of at-bats when he was when they had to play him straight up because there was somebody on base. His batting average was better against the shift. No kidding. No kidding. That's Weird, huh? Yeah. Is, is that an exciting fact for you or what? <laughs> well, it, it it shows it tells you why it tells you why they're playing the numbers so hard, you know, the studying of the numbers and the analytics. I mean, you know, I, I almost like deep down inside don't want to say that that's a good thing for them, but that's what they're, they're pouring. That's what baseball is pouring their heart and soul into right now. And if, if Anthony Rizzo is doing better against the shift than, than everyone inside the Chicago Cubs organization that um, does all their analytics is obviously doing their job. Yeah. So, you will not see any more bunting, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I laugh because I think I don't know if you think the ball's juiced, but I think the ball's juiced. But you gotta, you gotta, you gotta barrel up in order to take advantage of a juiced ball. Well, I'll tell you right now, I, I didn't see any juice balls in the playoffs. Sure. <laughs> well, and I've, we've talked about this before, and in a minute, I'm going to get into the uh, a couple of the guys that have passed away here recently, but. Um, what what I don't really get is why the broadcasters go home, the TV guys go home, and Euchre doesn't move to television, and you don't get to do the games, and Tom Hamilton um, uh, is on radio, so he goes and does the local feed. Dwayne Stats goes home and is, you know, sipping wine and looking at clouds or something. So I hate it. I think it's a mistake. And then you listen to these guys uh, do the games, and – you know, I used to think Jessica Mendoza or whatever her name was 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 okay when it, she had a Schulman or there was somebody with her that was good, and of course they were at the park, so give her a pass. I think yeah. they, I think they cut her audio in half. You could, yeah, I couldn't hear whatever she said. I can't even remember. She was with Sutcliffe, so they must have been doing the Padres. I don't know. Yeah, 
Well, I tell you, there, there were a lot of uh, imperfect uh, settings for putting broadcasters together. And, and the interesting thing that you bring up, too, about the local broadcasters doing games uh, versus the national, the, all the local broadcasters were at least together in the same booth. And it's my understanding that most of the production for the national broadcasts, uh, they're all in different areas. Uh, for the most part, will that change as they the further they we go on, you know, in this playoffs, it probably will. They'll probably end up being at the ballpark like the NFL. They're all of their games uh, on television. All of those announcers are at the ballpark or at the at the stadium, which I was a little surprised at, to be honest with you. I thought at the very least, if they put them together, they put them together, you know, at Fox in LA or CBS in New York and, and have them do them off the monitors there, but they're actually in the stadium, which I was a little surprised about, but um, yeah, it's, it's crazy, man. I, I wish that, uh, so I also do the NBA, you know that, and our first round of the playoffs uh, television wise, we can, we can televise uh, the first round, the best of seven. If it goes seven games, we can do our own local broadcast. Then when it goes into the next round, uh, conference semifinals, national TV takes over. So uh, at least they give us a taste of something for the playoffs. Right. I, I, I think it would be nice if baseball did the same thing. That's for I sure. I totally agree. And I think yeah. that, you know, I'd go all the way through the, the ALCS and the NLCS. But, I mean, if it was just the, the first round, whatever you want to call it, and then the division, that – that would, I, I tell you, I, I know they're paying $2 billion for their the rights to put these on, but you would think that somebody would say, hey, guys, you know, um, it's just not enthusiastic. You listen to the radio guy on the audio feed of MLB Network or MLB.com, and it's like a regular season. The guy's excited about, you know, what his team's doing or mad about the lack of whatever. Yeah, you get these guys trying to be objective, and what they end up being is very boring. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Even Sutcliffe, you know, and, and I'm sure it's hard, if, especially with ESPN. I don't think they were in the same place. I think they're yeah. all over doing, trying to act like they're together, and it's tough. And I, I understand that, but I had the same beef from Tim McCarver to Joe Buck. I mean, give me Bob Buecher, give me Vin Scully. Give me John Miller. Give me Dwayne Stats. Give me some some of these guys that are, and I think the ratings go up. Now, yeah, I guess they don't care. <clears throat> well, you know, I, I'll tell you. I, I don't know if you're aware of this or or um, everyone that listens to your podcast, but this is an interesting true fact story on broadcasting the playoffs for baseball um, in the in the wild card round. Uh, ESPN did not have their broadcasters at site. They were, I believe in Bristol or New York and they, they had the same set of announcers uh, call two games a day in some cases. Right. And so Matt Vaskersian, who does play by play, I forgot if it was uh, John Smoltz uh, was working with him or who it was. It was there, I think. Oh yeah. So they had, um, they had the Reds Braves game one that went, I think 13 innings or 15 innings, whatever it was, that was scoreless. That was, uh, I think, a four-hour and 45-minute game. And then 
they also that was a day game and it went so long it, it went almost to the start of the next game that they were doing which was at six o'clock central time it was the um the indians and yankees right right first round. and that game started in a rain delay for a short time then they started the game and then more rain came in and they had another rain delay and then the game was long that game that duration of being on the air just for that second game was six hours so they end up being on the air for almost if not 11 hours or more doing two games i mean to tell you good good luck keeping your enthusiasm up good luck right i mean it's hard to do i've done i've brought i've done play-by-play on double headers that both had rain delays that both had delay starts to their game I mean, like in Pittsburgh and Cincinnati where it rains, you know, every other hour. Uh, we were at the ballpark for 12 to 14 hours a couple of times just trying to get two games in. So so you're telling me as a, as a fan I have unreasonable expectations of my broadcast team. <laughs> Wasn't that a nice way of putting it? <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, you're so – and I understand it. You never know who's going to – and speaking of all the people who listen to my podcast, you know, we're in the thousands now. We're – we're growing by leaps and bounds. I may even get a sponsor someday and send you a piece of Papa Kino's pizza. But the, um, uh, I, I just think that, and, and there's some boring broadcasters locally too. You, the Pittsburgh guys, I don't know if you've ever had, if you know them, they could be your best friend and they could be great guys. They are the two most boring guys compared to like the A's guys are good. The giants guys, you know, we know they're, they're good guys. And, uh, and I just think maybe I'm I'm in the minority, but I think that the broadcast is eighty percent of the game, and especially now with no hitting, what else you do? I mean, there's four minutes of the ball in play, and then you got the broadcasters. And I I get this will be my last complaint for at least five minutes. I don't. I, I, yeah, it was your last. You know, <laughs> every now and then there's a good story. You know, I like to hear Smoltzy talk about Bobby Cox. I don't really like to hear A Rod talk about how great everybody. I mean, he's like running for mayor. I, I just there's too much. Even Len Casper and JD. I guess that's the that's that's the the dredge of TV. Um, I don't know. I just like to be entertained. Uh, by the game and a little enthusiasm and if I were doing it maybe I'd be too much into here's the pitch you know uh, that you can see the pitch I get it but right no, okay it. and it's uh it's I think storytelling is um everything of, of what baseball is um you can't always tell a story that's for sure uh but I th- I also think it's you know it's what kind of chemistry you have with the people that you're working with too, because True. you don't have to tell a baseball story. Sometimes you can tell, you know, a halfway personal story that it, if nothing else makes you relate to your audience, like but it's gotta be humorous. I yes. mean, it's gotta be yeah. something, you know, a good, a good broadcaster is, is, is not stand up comedian, but I mean, you, before you start, taking your brainwaves out of your mouth, you're thinking, oh, this is kind of funny. I choked on a hot dog the other day, and and uh, damned if uh, Augie wasn't there to slap me on the back. Well, thanks, Jerry. You know, whatever it is, it's like, yeah. please. Yeah, I know it. I know it. We're, 
we're um we're all guilty of everything that you don't like let's put it down. <laughs> uh not you buddy not you uh all you guys most of you guys <laughs> most of you guys i like with the milwaukee crew and I, you know i like the chicago guys too but um you know a lot of guys went through milwaukee uh matt versus whatever his name is pat hughes i mean on and on and on you could probably name them all but um we we don't have that much time (laughs) so you kicked my ass in the predictions you were pretty good um my team we finished fourth i thought maybe we finished a little higher yeah well i mean in the play in the in the i did nail it um yeah the cubs since yeah but on the uh, wild card fall frenzy uh, Craig and I had a little wager, and now I, I've got to bring a bottle of Tom Seaver uh, wine to Milwaukee and enjoy it with nobody I'd rather enjoy it more with than, than uh, Craig, and we'll do that at Ward's House of Prime. Does he have any – I don't know if he has any outdoor tables. I'm kind of not going into restaurants right now, but we'll, well figure it out. Get together, pal. You will not want to be sitting outside. So. <laughs> Come on. They're heaters. They're heaters. But, um, no, I think that um, – God, the upsets were – I mean, you can't even call them upsets. I mean, if the Brewers had beat the Dodgers, that would have been an upset. Yeah, Other than that – That, to be honest with you. Yeah. I, I really know. do. It was – it was um, the, the – I mean, the Dodgers, let's face it, they are – They're good. They, they didn't have any setbacks whatsoever with this pandemic. Those guys were built to play. They were built to be productive. They were built to uh, out-pitch you, out-hit you, out-field you, out-situational hit you, um, out-clutch hit you. I mean, they're, they're really, really good. They really, really are. And it's, uh, it's almost too bad that they're this good, and it's only a 60-game sample. That's you know? so true. So. I said the same thing about uh, Jerry Reinsdorf. I said, God, he's put together a really exciting, fun team to go watch the White Sox because they just – hit great they got some good pitching and there's nobody i mean it had to be painful for reinsdorf to have really committed to a decent payroll make some good trades and then not have anybody watch or buy hot dogs yeah i know it i mean it that that's that's tough on these guys i mean uh the brewers you know for example they they're they went a little bit uh they took a step back role but they still this year had the second highest payroll they've ever had. Yeah. Uh, last two years have been the two highest payrolls they've ever had in consecutive years. And it got them um, two wild card performances and no wins. Yeah. And so now you go through this pandemic and you didn't have any fans. There's, there was no uh, revenue that way. And you don't know what next year is. They're already saying, you know what, probably going to have to take a big step back now. And right try to save a little bit of money and stuff. So it's, uh, but not the Dodgers, man, not the Yankees. They're, they're going forward with their stuff and who knows if they won't world series, you know, I think the Brewers really missed Kane when he decided to opt out that, you know, that took a big chunk out of their locker room, out of their outfield, out of their offense, you know, bronze kind of winding down. Um, the, the GM got rid of some questionable moves, especially, I think they gave up on Davies a little early. I don't know what he was thinking with Pomerantz. I thought Pomerantz was pretty good. And then you mentioned Grisham. Yeah, the, the problem the problem with uh, where they were last year is a lot of those guys that, that you're mentioning, even Moustakis and Grandal and stuff, 
they were all going to get multi-year contract offers and the brewers just weren't in a position to pay these guys 60 70 80 million dollars they, they see and i think that part because they they were not replaced by whoever they signed to replace them it just no. wasn't even close so no, it, it was the all i never that set you back a, a couple of years at least still trying to find somebody because it didn't work this year and now next year they're going to have to start all over again you know right so. the um yeah, the Brewers kind of have the all. I never heard of anybody team. Um, you know, here's oh, the for sure. here's the deal. Um, I think a lot of that would be eliminated if you required every owner to pay 150 million in payroll. Period. You know, they cry the blues. It's a bunch of baloney. They get supplemental money from lots of different sources. You say small market. I say baloney. Um, and that applies to the all you know the raise and the, they all ought to be required to get with, at least within ten percent of the league average, which I think is one hundred and twenty or one hundred and thirty or it was before the crisis. So I, I just think, you know, if you if you don't want to do that, Craig, if you say, God, Jamie, give me a break. I mean, I've got a, a sausage company, the beer company left. I got a I got an insurance company that wants the naming rights. I, I'm not like New York or Chicago or L.A. I say sell the team, you know, they're guys apparently willing to pay a billion dollars. They did pay a billion dollars for the Royals. If you're going to pay a billion dollars, you're going to have a payroll of 150 or you should. Now, again, a lot of that's put on hold by the coronavirus, but, um, you know, that's my thought. Look at what the Mets went for 4 million with, or 4 billion, sorry, billion with their, maybe more than that with their cable deal, a cable network. So I say to you guys that, not you guys, I say to the Antanasios of the world, who I respect and I admire, and he's a great owner, and good. he was really nice to Nelly. So that's my, that's my barometer. If you're nice to Nelly, God love you. Who, by the way, could tell great stories. And um, I'll get off that little uh, preaching. But So I'm listening, I'm listening to what I expected to be your pregame, but it didn't start for a while. And I'm doing something. I'm not really paying attention to the TV, and I'm on, you know, Fox Sports Midwest, whatever, on 669 on DirecTV. Fox Sports Wisconsin. Fox, sorry. Fox Sports Midwest. <laughs> the Royals, aren't they? <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Don't like those broadcasters either. Anyway, um, so, sorry, Ryan LaFever. But uh, all of a sudden, I, <laughs> I'm listening. I'm going, God, that's eerie. And all of a sudden, there's Nelly. On TV, given you know they didn't call it uh, Davy remembers or whatever the name of the the show was, they called it something else. But he's talking. It was one of his stories about the bus breaking down and having to walk and get a cab and then face Don Sutton. And, oh yeah. Uh, and I, I call Kay in and I go, man, I'm telling you what, that was kind of weird seeing and hearing Dave talk because yeah. you know it doesn't it goes together. Um... You know, last spring or whatever, early summer, to help fill the void, um, and so they brought back some some classic storytelling from from Nelly and and from some Bucks and from other brewers and stuff. So that's probably that's cool. But yeah, that was yeah. awesome. So yeah. let's talk about uh, your reflections on Lou Brock, Tom Saver, and uh, Bob Gibson, who all recently 
passed away in the last month or so? Well, um, my, my greatest reflection would be on Tom Seaver. And I, I told this story in one of the games that I was uh, doing play-by-play. Uh, it, was, it was within the week of his passing. But I, I just wanted to, you know, share the story of um, uh, when Davey took us out to, you know, on a day off when we were playing the Giants. We had a day off out in San Francisco. So we went up to wine country and uh, we stopped at uh, Letson. And we did a big wine tasting, and, um, and we took a carload of people up. For the record, for the record, I never made that trip. No, you weren't on that one, <laughs> or any <Right>. other one. <laughs> so, so we, uh, so we, we. Uh, his goal was to take us like to three or four wineries. Well, Ledson was oh, was almost a one-stop shop, uh, but. Oh. Uh, we got to get to uh, Stevers, and um, he said I called him, and I said we'd stop in, and I said all right. Uh, I said well, where where does he live? And this was just when cell phones and a little bit of GPS navigation was right. available, and we couldn't we couldn't make out which way to turn through the mountains through there. So we went the opposite direction um, to start, and then and then somebody realized this is this is not good. We're we're going up and down these small mountains and going the opposite direction so we turned around and somehow some way nelly goes i think this is the road that goes up to his house and his vineyard is, have you been to his vineyard no i said i never got on the traveling squad so, <laughs> I, I was i was so, i was penciled into the lineup and then unfortunately you know the rest of the story so we rented a mid-sized car that's why you didn't get to go obviously <laughs> So, so he, um, so he says, I think this is the road that goes up. And he said, uh, I'm pretty sure this is it. And I said, Davey, this looks like a driveway. And he goes, yeah, that's the road. And I said, well, this, so this is going to go up to his vineyard. Like no one, no one else lives off this or he says, oh yeah, there's, there's a few other homes and stuff, but it, everyone has a driveway off of this. And I said, well, what if someone's coming down this mountain down? Cause it literally was like a driveway and he goes, well, we'll just try to move over. And I'm like, yeah. okay, he, we start going up this thing and it couldn't have been not even a minute. And we, we literally were going straight up and I'm like, this car is going to flip over. <laughs> what, where are we going? And we went and went, I, I bet you it was a 10 minute drive straight up the side of this mountain. And, and all of a sudden we got to the top and there was a house and a driveway and a big gate. And we, we drove up to it and, and Nelly was driving and he rolls down the window and punches in a number to the intercom. And there's, there's this woman's voice. It's, it's, uh, Tom's wife, Nancy, and, and she says, hello. And he goes, yeah, it's, it's Davey. And she goes, who? <laughs> Starts giving a, a hard time. <clears throat> and she says, well, we don't want any. Whoever you are, you're not supposed to be up here. And uh, she finally gave him the, the numbers to the intercom to open up the gate and stuff. And we oh, went great. Drove, drove up to the house up there and uh, you could see the vineyards, so their house was, uh, you drove up to their house first and then their vineyard was in the valley behind that. And within a minute, uh, up walked Tom and, 
uh, big coveralls. He must have had uh, three or four uh, pruning uh, cutters with him, all stuffed in all his pockets. You know, you look like you look like he'd been out there for three days. You know, <laughs> without returning back home or anything. And he couldn't have been the nicer nicest guy in the world. He met us all for the first time, except for Nelly, of course, knew him and. Uh, and then they invited us in, in, in their home and he cracked open probably four, five, six bottles of his wine. And we were up there for three or four hours and he was telling us stories. He took us into his, uh, um, his trophy room, his awards room where he had, wow. you know, all his first, all his, uh, middles, his, his size, uh, you know, everything. And it was, a it was, pretty amazing because there could not have been um it, it just didn't seem like this this is a, a hall of famer doing this just inviting us into his house and you know like like we were his long lost best friends and stuff oh that's and that, great and he couldn't have been it was it was pretty cool to experience that whole thing and um so that's my tom siever story you know how, how was the uh, after six or seven or eight bottles of Seavers potent wine. How was that trip down the road? Do you remember the? Uh, I mean, if you were going straight up on the way up, you were going straight down on the way down. Nelly at the wheel. Now, you know that that brings up some some uh, interesting concepts of Nelly navigating and driving. Somehow, when it's dark, everything is fine. Oh my God, <laughs> that's great. That is too funny. That's yeah. a great. That's a great yeah. story. We had. We talked repeatedly about going to Lesson. Um, Ivan bought three days at the hotel that one of those guys owns in uh, whatever town they're in. And then we were going to swing up to uh, uh, see Tom and his uh, vineyards. And unfortunately, that just never happened. But uh, I still have a little bit of Tom's wine and uh, enjoy it every time we uh, crack it open. I, I, you know, now his even though he's still around 5,000 cases of wine with his production company and his wife, um, I have, I was on the email list. So I got, you know, my allotment of wine for about three or four years. And back then struggling to make ends meet, I told Nelly, dude, I, I, this is more than I can spend for a couple of cases of wine. So I, unfortunately I get off of the, uh, list. So, couple months ago, I didn't want to play the death card, but I, I called up and tried to say, hey, you know, Nelly told me to, you know, before he died, that I should get back on the list. But, you know, that didn't even work. It's kind of sad. Yeah. That is. <laughs> it's sad on more than one count. But uh, the um, that, that's, that's great. I told you Tom had signed a bottle of uh, his wine for me. And I thought that was pretty cool, but not cool enough to not somehow I threw it away after we had consumed a few bottles. The a cool thing on the Seaver deal and, and on the wine, you know, Nellie's buddy, Greg Murphy out in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. Yeah. Murph's always, you know, known Dave longer than any of us. Uh, and so from time to time, he's a guy that said that Nellie's first hit in the major leagues was left-handed and he showed a video of Nellie taking batting yeah. for Yes, he's got some cool. He's a very understated collector. He put, and he, you know, he's an East Coast, Rhode Island dude. So he's got it all in in, oh, what do you call it in the bank where you got a little safe deposit box. 
Okay. And every time something comes up, so he, so he sends me his picture, and he goes, Seaver signed a bottle of wine to me from his first harvest. The number one, first time they harvested and turned it into wine, he's got a bottle from there. I thought that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. Lou Brock, um, again, most of, most of my stories come through Dave, although I met Bob Gibson in Omaha on my, on my own through the Omaha Royals, but in, with Brock, it was after some game, and, and Nellie, I had a couple high school buddies with me, and we met up with Dave, and of course, he wanted to go sit at a bar and have some wine. So uh, we ended up going to the uh, Capitol Grill in Chicago, and we walk in there, and I'm with a couple guys that I wouldn't say are the most progressive guys in the world politically, and, and who is at the bar but Lou Brock. And so, of course, he and Nelly are fast friends, yes. base-running gurus. You know, Brock's probably got the nod, but they sat down, and for an hour, they, they were just they, – my buddies, were they had their mouths open listening to these two guys talk about base-running, and it was, a, it was cool, and thank God. Nobody, nobody <laughs> said anything they shouldn't have said, but, but I was a little nervous about that. And you then get the is when he's telling when, when guys like that are around each other and, and you, you're lucky to be, you know, on the second row of chairs around them. Right. To me, that's like being at a show because those guys tell such great stories back and forth that there isn't there isn't a second of silence for as long as they're together and and that is that is the coolest thing to have the good fortunes of listening to and i think that's that's what makes baseball so great because these two guys probably never ever crossed paths uh on the same field in their whole careers Right. Because there was no interleague play back then. Correct. Davy was all American League, and Lou Brock was all, you know, National League with the Cardinals and everything. Uh, and didn't the Cubs trade him away? By the way, that, are you that, are you trying team? to hurt? Are you? I know you know. The, <laughs> <laughs> I know you know the answer to that one. It, it was either the f- number one or two worst trade. I, I would I would say that the Ernie Brolio for Lou Brock was second only to one other one and the guy that was in that trade won the mvp in both leagues and i'm sure i love putting craig on the spot we, you i don't tell. know who that other guy was you, i know that in our oh, production yeah it, it was um um bruce fremming played a bruce fremming played a big part in one of the guys that got traded the umpire so, see, in our, in our, Bruce Fremming was an umpire who, on a perfect game, called a ball on the last batter of the game, and Milt Pappas was pitching. So the, the trade was some idiot came up with trading uh, from the Cincinnati Reds um, to the, uh, I guess, the Orioles. It was um, Frank Robinson for Milt Pappas. Yeah. What a horrible trade. Now, Brock Brolio probably right up there. I'm not sure Brolio won two more games in his career, but um, so Milt Pappas, he was just a crusty, not a friend. And he sat around me at some games. And of course, when he signs an autograph, he goes, it was a strike. And when Bruce Fremming, who played in Nellie's golf tournaments all the time until Nellie decided he wasn't going to play in the golf tournament anymore, he would say, he would sign Bruce Fremming. It was a ball. 
So <laughs> <laughs> that's that, awesome. That was great. But um, that's an awesome story right there. Lou Lou Brock and um and then Bob Gibson, both guys on the Cardinals. And uh so when there was a I was in Omaha when my family owned it and went over to his bar and our GM introduced me to Gibson and we sat down for forty five minutes and, and just talked about you know, baseball and, you know, just of, for all the, you know, everybody talked about, well, is he really a friendly guy? He couldn't have been, you know, I was a nobody. He was not getting anything from me. The bar, his restaurant wasn't open yet. Gibby sits down, answers. We talk about early win to Ted Williams and, you know, he had this gigantic body and this, what appeared to be a little head on top of this, but, you know, He's the reason the mound sucks. So those are the the three guys that um, unfortunately have departed in the, in the last couple of months, and that's not uh, yeah. You, you talk about guys who literally dominated their game too. Boy, did I they mean, ever! You know, uh, I, I would have loved to. You know, I, I was too young to obviously really appreciate anything out of all three of their of their true careers. I mean, Bob Gibson you know, in, in the sixties and, and, um, you know, Tom Seaver pitching obviously in the sixties as well. I mean, just listening to how he took the, um, the infant New York Mets and, and gave them a, a name, gave them, um, you know, uh, notoriety, gave them legitimacy, I think is probably the best word, yeah. um, and, yeah. and stuff. But um, yeah, I, if I could go back and, and go back in time, it would be really fun to watch those guys go. And, you know, uh, we, we had talked about this, you know, earlier this summer when we were doing these podcasts together of, of how much classic baseball, um, the classic show uh, rebroadcast. And I told you I really wasn't into watching a lot of it, um, but I did I did watch one with with Bob Gibson, ironically, and. And it was a pretty cool thing to see because that dude just took the ball and freaking threw it and game over, man, every time he was on. Yeah. I mean, and then you throw in like the 67 World Series with Mickey Lowich and Denny McLean and Gibson yeah. and, and McCarver yeah. and Shannon and all those guys. I mean, it was it was kind of the, uh, you know, I always refer to the 50s kind of as the flannel era. They had baggy flannel uniforms. They were sort of yeah. stopped riding on the train. And then the 60s, the polyester kind of – came in along with the cookie cutter ballparks like in St. Louis, Philadelphia, blah, blah, blah. And it's just gotten progressively less exciting and the price of tickets has gone up and the um, level of entertainment to me has gone down. But, you know, they're, they are hitting something. Uh, the young kids, the fantasy baseball, soon you're going to be able to gamble in the ballparks on the games. It's, and things, things, are, <laughs> things are changing but yeah, they uh, are. I mean, and they're cha- like the whole gambling thing is. <clears throat> I mean, they're they're doing that, you know, during during games now. You know, it's yeah. part of our. It's part of it's part of television sponsorship now, and um, it's unreal. And that's you know they they said you know maybe about ten years ago. I remember them. You know, a lot of the executives saying that that's that's going to be part of our broadcasts now, and it's going. You know, it's it and it's starting to be. And it's, um, I mean, I, you know, I'm about you. I, I've just never been into it. 
No. And so I don't understand it in baseball. Now I can figure out the point spread in football, but I mean, yeah, I've never been into any of that stuff. It yeah. just, just, you know, but, but I get it. And they also said there'd never be pro teams in um, Las, Vegas. Las Vegas. And there's yeah. two there right now. And I guarantee you there'll be two more before too long. They'll, think, they'll have a baseball team there and they'll have a basketball team there. I guarantee no, it. I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. So before we let you go, I know you're busy. And I know you got a lot to do. I got uh, a tree to cut down. <laughs> We've got a boat to put away. Well, only uh, because I've decided I was going to cut this tree down. It's not. It's not causing any harm, but it yeah. is dead. Do you, and so I've got nothing else to do. So do you have I'm some help? Do you have some uh, help? Do you have somebody to help you, or do you know how to cut a tree down? I, I thought you were coming down after you got your boat out of the water. Well, you know, we are probably only an hour and a half away from you. My wife could be a lot more help to you cutting a tree down than I could be. But no, I think, buddy, you're on your own. I'm, you're on your own in this one. No way. Uh, but speaking of fun times, and you, uh, you attached it or whatever you call it to your Twitter account, but let's talk about the legendary Bob Euchre for just a few minutes because I know you – I know that you were excited uh, uh, when Euchre uh, bombed in on your on your last pregame of the season, postgame of the season, and yeah. I got you could feel that it was great. You know, um, so uh, the way we we have everything staged at the empty ballpark, um, with, with nothing's normal. Let's just put it that way. So they got done. Uh, we were on the air for another half hour past their radio uh, postgame show. So he came uh, walking out with the, their other radio guys, Jeff and Lane, and then they had some. They always have some security guards, always with Uke. Um, and Uke starts waving his arms and stuff. I'm I'm in the middle of you know, I'm off camera in the middle of you know something, and he starts waving his arms and come running up behind the camera and waving his arms some more. So I, he, he finally got me. I, he threw me off. So I just said something on the air, you know, okay, whatever that was that I just said that Euchre's Euchre's back there waving his arms and, and uh. throwing me off and, and you, you got to come on the set with us. And so sure as heck, it didn't take him two seconds. He just walked around the cameras and, and came over and started, you know, he, he shared a funny story, a real quick funny story. We didn't have a microphone with him yet, but he had a baseball in a case that he was holding. And you can see it on the picture in the video. And he, he came up there right when he goes, I just have a baseball that I got as a foul ball today. And I'm looking for anybody, anybody to sign it. Anybody. <laughs> That's so <And> funny. So, <laughs> so you know, we're at the ballpark doing the game while the Brewers are in L.A., so obviously there's there's no foul balls to be had. And right. he, put, he put this foul ball in a case, and he <laughs> wants somebody somebody to sign it. And then we finally gave them a microphone, and we started, you know, talking and stuff. And um, there there's no better person in this game of baseball that I know that can put you at ease um, and entertain you at the same time tell you a story and everything is heartfelt you know the dude is uh second to none i, I really don't know anybody anywhere who is bob Euchre except yeah. for him well and it, it, the cool thing is um 
he doesn't come across like this is obligatory. Here's a fan. He expects me to be funny. Let me give you a few lines and get off. You know, like his Hall of Fame speech. God, the guys wanted me to go on. They didn't want me to stop talking. It wasn't yeah. It wasn't for any other reason as that the guy is just hilariously honest and his stories, uh, you know, he's, and I'm not a big Seinfeld fan, but I mean, it's amazing what he can make funny, what, what you can make funny. And you threw him near the end of the uh, uh, part that you put on Twitter, you threw him a softball to kind of wrap it up. Like, well, you, you're going to be down in Scottsdale swimming in your pool here soon. And then yeah. instead of going, yeah, that's right, Craig, I'm looking forward to getting down there with some using or sausage. He starts talking about swimming in the river. In the Milwaukee river, <laughs> which is like pure mud. Oh my way. God. And he's talking about some gizmo on his back to rent the monitor as hard as I mean, it was, uh, yeah. it was legendary. And what a good guy. And as we've talked about, he was so nice with Nelly in his final days but uh that was great and god love you we hope you broadcast for another 50 years man he's so good god i tell you man he uh, you know this would have been his 50th well this was his 50th year with the team doing broadcasts and it was um you know i mean you, you never know going in right. he's he's never uh he's never won a world series championship as broadcaster in 50 years and you know we thought you know in, in a never-know world, uh, who knows or whatnot, but the dude is going to be 87 years old wow. before before he broadcasts another baseball game. And um, 87. He, wow. he gets around on his own. He, st he drives. He doesn't have anybody. Uh, there's no extra care. Uh, he's in great shape. Um, his mind is um, way better than mine. And – I mean, it's, uh, he's so, it, it's just, uh, he's just an absolute treasure. And, um, you know, by the way, when he crashed that show, it was one in the morning because of the, the late time out West and stuff. And wow. he is, he, you know, I could, so the ballpark's empty. So sometimes we can hear when there's big calls or you're having a laugh, like the whole stadium fills up with who's ever, there's only two people talking at the same time, the radio guy and the TV guy. And we can hear them all the way across uh, the stadium at some, it's sometimes when it's empty in there. So he's still having a ball. He still has, you know, all of his energy. And, and thank God he can still tell all of his stories, man. Yeah, no, um, and, and he sounds like he's 30 years old. I mean, he, his, <clears throat> yeah. his voice does not sound like an old, you know, Scully got a little – teetery there at the end a little bit and you know that's like insulting royalty but you just always sound you know he's got a simple approach to to broadcasting the game he's got that enthusiasm always with the brewers and uh, you know he's you know i think he if you said and i you know this better than i but if you if you said look uh you uh you've got to go to uh, uh dallas and do the game today He'd pick. He'd he'd be just as enthusiastic, even though he'd be trying to maybe root for both teams. But it would be oh heck yeah! What a yeah. what a ball! There's another chipmunk eating eating bread. Okay, let's segue in for the final portion because I know <coughs> our listeners have been waiting for this for an hour. Um, picks for of the uh, AL uh, division winners, and uh, I'll I'll nail you for another podcast before we have the final game of the ALCS, but. Who do you like uh, between the Yankees and the Rays? Um, 
I, I have this, uh, I have this feeling that the Yankees are starting to come alive and they're so incredibly talented. Um, but I, I would like to believe that the Rays are not a fluke. So I'm, I'm going to pick them because I'm not sure I've ever picked the Yankees to do anything. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not going down that road yet. Um, and I, I think the Astros are going to have their way with the A's. I agree. I, just do. You I, know, totally I, agree. I think the Astros regular season record was, you know, let's just get through this and get to the playoffs so we can get to neutral sites and be who we are. Power and whether you like them or not, that's a pretty dang talented team right there. So, okay. Um, so you think yeah. the Rays versus the Astros or the Rays versus the Astros in the ALCS? Yeah. Which, okay. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll, How about now, you? Well, and first, let me segue back to what, what you had said earlier, and that is that, you know, you you really don't get into betting. But when I was, oh, 12, 13, 14 years old, I was a huge baseball fan, and I got $5 a week for an allowance, and that was a lot of money. And I, you know, did I respect my father for paying me that? No, I used to bet. And I would always, I would, <laughs> in the 60s, I would bet anybody in school that the Yankees were going to win the World Series. And so in 63, I picked the the Dodgers. I mean, they had the Yankees lost a bunch of World Series, and every time they did, I, I lost 15 bucks. But so much <laughs> so much for that. I, I agree with you on the uh, the strength of the, uh, the Yankees. Probably everybody's going to pick the Yankee Dodgers, but it'd be nice to see something different. On the National League, <laughs> you got your wish, man. The Marlins looked like giant killers and the cubs look like my little league team oh my god seriously what happened you know uh, it's happened for since they won the world series i'll tell you yeah. what happened it was they don't have a batting coach they don't have a i don't know um i hope rossi gets to pick the coaches so you got the marlins or against the braves is there an upset or not no uh and I almost could care less about either team, to be honest with you. <laughs> There's a guy that makes his living in baseball. I agree. Um, yeah. Boring. I but, like that. I, I think the Braves are going to come out of that. I, I think the, I think man for man, I think the Braves are, are probably a better team. And uh, I, I like, I like uh, Snitker, their manager. Um, he, he's old school, I think, and has a, I think he manages that team pretty well. Um, I don't think they're going to win a World Series, but um, I, I think they're they're a pretty talented team, and I think they're uh, he's disciplined them the last couple of of years. Yeah, to be oh, who they are. Right Freddie now, Freeman, so. man, you know, Marquez yeah. comes out of out of COVID retirement or whatever. I think that's. But yeah. Freeman, Freeman was one of the other guys that got more hits against the shift than when they played him straight. Not, long, not surprised. Yeah. Uh, so, and then, of course, Mattingly, as everybody on the podcast has heard 20 times, I represented him when he urinated in Kansas City. That was part of my big-time law practice when Donnie Boy, Donnie Baseball, uh, took a leak in the plaza, and uh, Kansas City didn't like the Yankees <laughs> or, or Mattingly doing that, but that's, a, that's another day. And then the uh, final series in the National League would be what I think is probably – you know, the Rays and the Yankees and the Dodgers and the Padres are probably the headline cases. Um, Padres have enough. God love them. I mean, do they have enough pitching that's healthy to go? I don't know. I, I saw today that Clevenger's, uh, you know, uh, making his bid to come back, so that can only help. Um, I'll tell you right now, their, their offense, when they, when they get something going, they might have, they might have the best um, – offense that 
clicks at what time at one time together. Um, and, and I think that can get a little bit dangerous, you know, in a, in a series, but I think in the end, I think in a seven game series, I think Dodger pitching will over. Man, no kidding. It was like a best of five. Maybe, maybe the Padres come out of that, but I think, I think the just have too much pitching in a seven game series. All right, so we got the Braves against the Dodgers, the Rays against the uh, the Astros, and uh, and we'll see what happens, man. Now go cut down your tree and thank you, man. You made my you made my week when when you seemed enthusiastic to come back on the lighter side of baseball because it's just uh, you know it's been a big void since we had something called a season and you were gone. So it's been a well, treat for the listeners. I wasn't as enthusiastic as you thought. I had probably ten beers in my system at the at the end of baseball during happy hours. So, thanks, just, man. You just dampened it, my whole. You know, was, <laughs> <laughs> so you were drunk when you agreed to do another pod, another podcast. That's good, man. I love it. Well, and I what didn't else? even know we were we were going this morning till you sent me a text either. So, just kidding. <laughs> my, my uh, you know, in Wisconsin, I guess that's kind of a heroic way to get. Uh, a kick off to the podcast. All right, man. Don't get hurt cutting down your tree. I got to dodge these chipmunks, man. They're running all around my feet eating the bread. And uh, I got to go do some work. My my bride's looking at me like, get off the air. Let's go. So, on the lighter side of baseball, man. Thanks, buddy. Have a good one. Talk to you soon. And uh, call me after you've had 10 more beers and I'll book you for another podcast. All right, that'll be in 10 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, later. Bye, Greg. Yeah.